Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Bruegels. Ah, oh, bloody spell checker. And welcome to a special edition of the show in which we teach you how to paint socially satirical townscapes that really capture the essence of 16th and century Dutch and Flemish life. It's amazing how much a podcast can be shaped by the first two words. Get one of them wrong and it just becomes a whole different show. Later on, we'll be talking about the importance of facial detail and apparently non-important background figures and asking what's up with windmills. But first, how to paint someone shitting out of a... Oh, sod this. Let's, let's restart. C- can we cancel Gerhard Richter? Well, of course he's going to be cross, but I didn't book him until the start of this paragraph. Tell him to f***ing channel it into his next f***ing painting, then. Jeez, it should be f***ing flatter what fucking thought of him. I mean, he could have asked Hockney, but I didn't. I just Googled paintings, and he was the first one in the list who hadn't died at least 100 years ago. Honestly. Pro artist, so in it all these days. Right, let's try take two. Let's try not to get the letters mixed up this time. Hello, Goebbels! No, absolutely not. Uh, take three. Hello, Buglers! Yes, there we are. There we are. Third time lucky. Welcome to issue 4,000... 210 of the bugle with me, Andy Zaltzman, coming at you, albeit coming at you indirectly in non-corporeal audio form, from the shed here in London. Uh, it is Monday the 25th of October 2021, and I'm joined today, firstly, by a man who simply loves the smell of napalm in the morning. It's, oh sorry, not napalm, toast, uh, sorry, toast, mix him up with the actor Brian Blessed, who really does love the smell of napalm in the morning, which is a relic of his method acting days and his unsuccessful audition for Apocalypse Now. Please welcome Nish Kumar! <laughs> Hello, Hello Andy. Hello, Buglers. Andy, before we started recording, yeah. uh, remember when you said, uh, brace yourselves, because this intro's quite long? Yes. You yeah. were not wrong. You I'm are not wrong. You are many things, Andrew, truth. but a liar yeah. is not one of them. The, well, that is one of the, uh, I mean, that is a lie. <laughs> I'll pick you up on that. <laughs> but you know some things I don't lie about. Um, well, um, how are you? I, I'm I'm well, thanks. I'm well. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very excited to be back. I've been on bugle hiatus, and yes. now I'm back, and I'm I'm backed up with bugle. Well, <laughs> I, I felt myself going down a bad road there, and I've pulled myself out of it. Yeah, because you've been on a um, uh, two month uh, expedition. Um, yeah. To uh, to space, I believe is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. a stowaway on uh, sh- on the Shatner ship. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you, you didn't think you could be a, a stowaway on a spacecraft, but I found a way. I found a way. So you were like in the downstairs of the space Titanic, just doing a jig <laughs> while, the, while Shatner was up there drinking his champagne. <laughs> Shatner was up there drinking a champagne. I was downstairs doing jigs and painting ladies' boobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, on canvas, I should say. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. On um, well, uh, you've already heard her joining us for the first time on the Bugle, although you may have heard her on, amongst other things, uh, Bugle Stablecasts, The Last Post, The Gargle, and Andy Zaltzman's Teach Yourself to Commit Libel podcast. Oh, sorry, that one hasn't come out yet. A few legal issues. It's the one and only, I assume, Alison Spittle. Uh, welcome to the Bugle, Alison. Great to have you on. I'm on the so show. excited to be on. This is, uh, yeah, an honour. And uh, I'll stop being sincere now. <laughs> well, that is, you've already used up your lifetime allowance of sincerity on the Bugle. Um, Nish, Nish, Nish has still, you've still got all yours in the tank, I think, all five seconds it, it, of it. It accumulates. That's yeah. the nice thing about it. It builds up, you build up sincerity interest in your Bugle bank yeah. account. And eventually yeah. I'm going to be able to do one uh, one episode, one full episode, where all I do is just say the news. <laughs> <laughs> We are recording on the 25th of October, 2021. Today is Punk for a Day Day, 
apparently, where uh, everyone's supposed to dress as a punk. Um, I've gone with an inverse mohawk hairstyle, <laughs> uh, as, as is so often the case. Um, as always... I can't believe that's the first time I've heard you describe your hair as an inverse mohawk. Uh, as always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, we have a free board game uh, for you. New board games just come out, and we're giving it away uh, exclusively free. It's called For Richer, For Poorer. It's a two-player game in which one player represents the rich of the world, and one player represents the poor. Each player draws five cards from the current global crisis pile and five from the history of humanity pile. In a Top Trump-style showdown, whoever side did or has done or is doing better out of either the current crisis or the historical event moves their counter forward the number of squares they feel like moving forward to accurately reflect uh, what the winners of history uh, and indeed the world today do. Current crises include climate, COVID, water scarcity, food shortages, migration, employment, modern day slavery, globalisation, population and malaria. Historic events include organised religion, empires, colonialism, plague, water scarcity, food food shortages, migration, employment, Genghis Khan and then modern day now uh, former slavery. The box contains one board, two packs of 750 cards and one counter in the shape of a golden dollar sign for whoever is playing the rich. You won't need one if you're on the pause team, but you can cobble one together on your own, uh, appropriately enough, and once you've made a piece, the rich can then play their charity card Joker, which moves the poor forward one square and the rich forward two squares as a special altruism bonus move. The price of the game is whatever you can afford. I did say it's free, but obviously it's not really free. Uh, that section is in the bin, along with our Halloween costume uh, section, um, in, in which we run down the four... Most popular scary costumes ahead of this uh, this year's Halloween, a carbon dioxide molecule, uh, a cuckoo clock, out of which the cuckoo pops every hour, and instead of saying cuckoo, says, f*** sake, guys. Um, <laughs> a costume in which you just dress up as democracy. It's basically the same as a zombie costume these days. And uh, uh, a sausage costume as well. Uh, always terrifying. Those sections in the bin. <laughs> Top story this week, what is going on in the world? Uh, the answer is loads of stuff is going on in the world, as is so often the case and has been for a while now. But we at The Bugle, we always strive to find the stories that best exemplify the current state of our renowned species and celebrity planet. And perhaps nothing captures human life, 2021, better than this headline. Egypt arrests robot artist that uses AI algorithms and computer eyeballs to make robo-art and obviously looks eerily like Joan Bakewell but is named after Ada Lovelace on suspicion of being part of an international espionage plot before releasing the robot after a brutally intensive 10-day cross-examination. The robot then takes part in an exhibition at the pyramids entitled Forever Is Now. I mean, that basically covers everything about humanity today, doesn't it? I mean, Alison, you are, uh, on your Bugle debut, our uh, robot artist uh, correspondent. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. I, I fear them, Andy. Yeah. Uh, the only the only machines with faces on that I like is uh, Henry de Hoover, because uh, <laughs> he's quite, a, you know, a reassuring presence. He's got a bit of a wry smile as well, as if, like, he's slightly judging what he's consuming. <laughs> and uh, I just... Uh, it it freaks me out that they've decided to make this artist robot look so much like a person. Um, yes. And I think they're doing it for the people that uh, have those sex robots. Like, I do think they're doing them a favour. <laughs> they can have them in the corner and go, she's an artist as well. And it's perfectly fine. <laughs> Very acceptable. Well, um, or an artist muse, even. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite so. And um, I don't know, I, as art is very subjective and I don't like complaining about art because 
I feel like uh, anytime that I don't like art, I fear that I might hurt the artist's feelings. So it is good to have a robot artist because I can unequivocally say, uh, it is shite. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute shite. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the robot Hoover, I mean, this shows how, you know, overconfident robots are getting because obviously we're expecting to to replace humanity and you know the sooner the better in the case of a lot of lines of work um but the robot hoover is essentially also replacing the labrador i don't think i'm at all comfortable uh, with that um uh, nish i know you know most of um uh, your material has been written by a series of uh, of robots yes um, yes yeah of your career yeah yeah so, yeah I mean, you're very familiar with what they can create yeah i like to generate humor by algorithm Yep. That's the way that I've worked, and it's it's worked out pretty well so far. <laughs> why, did, why did the chicken cross the road? Because it did. There you go. That's just an example of <laughs> what the algorithm can throw up. Uh, my concern with this, uh, I have a number of concerns about this, but one of the things I would say is I'm looking at Ada, the robot. I'm looking at a picture of her. She's got kind of brown features, and... Therefore, it is not a surprise she had trouble getting through customs. Even <laughs> robots are the victims of racial profiling. If Ada wanted to have a smooth time through customs, she should have popped a blonde wig on. <laughs> that, I, I can tell you from experience, th that is too swarthy a colour to have an untroubled time at customs, Ada. I mean, to me, she 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 did look eerily like Joan Bakewell. The, the, she she doesn't uh, she doesn't look unlike Joan Bakewell. See, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you an example of my uh, showstopper, which was rejected when I was on the Great British Bake Off. She's got a bit of an Indian bake well. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I think this, this has got everything. I mean, it's got incredible technological ingenuity. Yeah. A, a robot that can create art, albeit that technological ingenuity, is used for completely f***ing pointless purposes. I mean, have you seen the number of human artists we already, we already have, have most of whom earn absolutely f***ing We do not need more artists. And at least if you're going to make a robot to take over from humanity, uh, yeah, as we, as we were saying, make it look like a f***ing robot. Um it involves this story, belated recognition of a uh, great uh, woman from history. That's Ada Lovelace, uh, not Joan Bakewell, who's very much still with us. Um, uh, it, it involves a deep and entirely justified suspicion between nations, which is you know what the world is all about. I mean, you can see it from the Egyptian point of view, I think. You know, a <laughs> robot, an artist from Britain, you would be f***ing suspicious, uh, I reckon. Um, Plus the name it, of the exhibition is Forever Is Now, which sounds like a James yes. Bond film. Yeah. So it would, you know, definitely set alarms going. It, it also sounds like it, you know, it, it's the exhibition title has been made up by a robot that has been programmed to come up with titles for exhibitions that sound like they mean something, but don't. <laughs> I'd never like to side with customs authorities, right? But I'm afraid when a bag of wires and cameras turns up in your country... I just feel like you have the right to be suspicious of its motivations, you know? <laughs> I just, I really do feel like if you walk into a country and you're like, this is my robot, it's full of cameras, not for spying, for doing art, there's every <laughs> chance they're going to have a couple of questions for you. <laughs> my dad sells textiles and JFK is a nightmare for him. <laughs> But I mean, can we? So, so the robots, uh, Adar, 
uh, is made of wires, metal and pure 1960s Bakelite, which is a classically elegant forerunner of more modern mass-produced plastics. But, I mean, can we say Ada is a, is a real artist? I guess time will tell. If she starts churning out almost identical pieces with no sign of artistic evolution for vastly inflated prices that need at least four paragraphs of explanation of what they claim they're trying to express, then yes, truly, we have ourselves a top-of-the-range <laughs> as human artist i've never had art explained to me so well before that <laughs> sentence <But> yes what <laughs> um, one of the people uh, involved in the project has actually has said uh, we are well aware that the fictions of 1984 and brave new world are now facts ai is developing rapidly I don't remember the bit in 1984 where Big Brother was like, and now a robot painter. <laughs> if, 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 this, if this is the dystopia, it seems like we've landed with the most benign one. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I've, I've seen the Terminator. It wasn't about a robot who travelled back in time to paint a boy. <laughs> that would be amazing. Would be so great. Paint me like one of your past boys, <laughs> you know. Just <laughs> I'm trying to think of a pun that's like artist space for Albie Back, but I can't. Uh, I can't do it. I'm sure Albie Back was a 1930s futurist, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Randy, former Monarchs news now, and <laughs> I mean, this is—I mean, this is right in the sweet spot of the bugle. <laughs> it, it really is. And um, uh, Alison, as the bugle's newly appointed uh, Randy, former Monarchs correspondent. Uh, I mean, what a story to, to to cover on your debut. That the former King of Spain, it has been alleged, was had to be injected with female hormones because his libido was considered to be. <laughs> A state problem. Well, it's, it's kind of definitely pressed hard in my mind that the monarchs are just livestock and he has been treated like a prized bull by being <laughs> injected with, you know, when they get, when their temperament is a bit too much, out comes the injections. Um, but I, I wonder, like, as a royal, I know you have, um, you have food testers before you eat food and stuff. I mean, did he have a person that would take a bit of this injection and go, yeah. I'm, not, I'm definitely not horny now, sir. Pop it into you. you know? <laughs> I mean, there's so many other ways that you could bring down someone's libido. Injections feels far, far too strong. Uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe read them, read them a, read them a book about uh, how the world is going to, you know, end in a few years. And that definitely, anytime I feel sexually aroused, I just think at the end of the world. Uh, I think it's maybe Catholicism or something that <laughs> just presses it. But uh, yeah, this, so, so it's become of national importance, this man's libido. How many women was he shagging? Like, what's the... Well, there are stats on that. And, um, oh, yeah? The like cricket stats. Yeah, I mean, how many are, runs? Jesus, Saltzman. Um, uh, well, I mean, we're, we're looking at a solid kind of, you know, 5,000-odd um, according to a book released in 2017. 5,000! This guy's yeah. doing Tendulkar numbers! <laughs> it claimed claimed uh, that Juan Carlos II had around 5,000, that's that's half of 10,000 uh, different lovers in his lothariotic uh, <laughs> career. And in what they described as, quote, his passionate period, <laughs> which is 
I mean, I guess they couldn't call it his blue period because the Picasso fans will get cross. But from 1976 to 1994, apparently he bedded precisely 2,154 women. What? Um, and all of this just goes to show it's amazing what you can achieve when you don't have a real job. Yeah. Now, now I, sh- I should say I don't have a real job, but my equivalent stats are very, very different, but very different. I, I mean, I was going to say, Andy, you're writing some very complicated checks that I don't <laughs> think I certainly am not going to be able to cash as someone who also does not have a real job and has not put up those anything compared to those sorts of numbers. It, his sex drive was so was so powerful that a former police chief said that it was a state problem. And so he had to have these testosterone blockers to dampen his uh, this, the sheer force of his libido. Now, obviously, there's a lot to get into in this, but I have to say, my first question is, why in the name of God have we not been employing this with Boris Johnson or, <laughs> or Matt Hancock? Can you just think about how many lives we could have saved in the pandemic if we had misted the front bench with these things. <laughs> we should have put a diffuser up in the Houses of Parliament to dampen their horn. Even 130,000 people dying and Matt Hancock still grabbed handfuls of ass meat. No, that helped him, Nish. That helped him. Yeah, as soon as he found out the numbers, he was like, hands out, ready now. <laughs> Where's that CCTV camera? Bang. Happy days. <laughs> Boris Johnson can barely get anything done because of his prodigious capacity for fathering children. And you just sort of think like, I mean, I, I, listen, I, I, I would not be in favour of this personally, but I'm just saying, let's have the conversation. I, I mean, I believe Indira Gandhi tried something similar in the 1980s with a lot, most of the men in India. So I mean, like, I'm not saying it always ends well, but I am saying in the specific instance of the front bench of the United Kingdom, why did we not consider crop spraying them with testosterone suppressors? <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe that's just one of the many lessons. I think I'd not read the full report into uh, the COVID crisis here in the UK that the government commissioned to, to, for all the lessons that we can learn, but maybe that is one of them. Um <laughs> I mean, it's probably the thing that is most likely to be learned and everything else we'll just conveniently forget about. So we can build a better world. What slightly disappoints me about this um, is that this happened you know, recently and, you know, King Juan Carlos II sadly missed out on a nickname. But, you know, old monarchs used to get nicknames based on their behaviour. Ethelred the Unready, Olaf yeah. the Quiet, Pippin the Short. Sebastian the Asleep and a Bulgarian monarch who is apparently called Ivalo the Lettuce. What? But um... <laughs> he's, I, honestly, you've cried wolf. No, he's cried wolf too much. I've no idea. I think I'm, that's almost certainly all bullshit. I am wolf. Um, <laughs> I know these are all independently verified by a three-minute internet search. Um, which is uh, an unusual level of research. Yeah, uh, and if the there's one thing we know, it's the internet is a ce- an organ of ceaseless veracity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I believe was King Juan Carlos's nickname. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but it's a shame that you know he missed out on you know being 
You know, he's simply Juan Carlos II rather than Juan Carlos the unfathomably horny. <laughs> Juan Carlos the remorselessly priapic, which is a disappointment. I, one of the problems is that he um, he had an affair with a Miss World contestant called Barbara Ray, and there is an allegation uh, that she received millions of euros from Spanish state coffers to make sure that she didn't uh, talk about the affair. And I just think when a line item in your country's budget is <laughs> the king's raging hard-on. You've really got to have a serious think about yourselves as a nation. I don't like to cast the Spanish as a pack of Iberian Lotharios, but when on budget day the Spanish Chancellor is having to use phrases like, and obviously we will have to allocate tax money to pay off people the king has jizzed near. <laughs> but obviously... It is very hard here in the UK, uh, words coincidentally that Juan Carlos wrote on a poster, <laughs> uh, went on a state visit to this country in 1986. It's very hard for us to relate to the idea that a member of any royal family might be accused of behaving in a sexually unimpeachable <laughs> manner. We don't, we don't know, what that's, we don't know what, that's like, what that's like. The claims were made by a former police commissioner who has himself been accused of spying, bribery and fraud. So it might not be the most reliable of sources, but it is fair to say that Juan Carlos... Has not fully escaped the taint of wrongdoing uh, over his career. He's also facing claims that he sent Spanish agents to Britain to harass a former lover. Uh, he's running the classic "I'm a magic king, you can't touch me" legal defence on that one. Oh yeah. According to recent reports, uh, he's been in exile for over a year whilst corruption cases against him have been investigated. Um, obviously, we don't know whether or not he's guilty, and these cases also look like they might collapse because of the "I'm a magic king, you can't touch me" laws. But suffice it to say, he has been spending that year in exile in Abu Dhabi. Draw your own conclusions. <laughs> In other other world news, um, the uh, right-wing American uh, TV pundit Candace Owens has advocated an American invasion of Australia to, quotes, free and oppressed people. Uh, She's claimed uh, that Australia is essentially a tyrannical police state um, which is, is not technically true unless you are uh, a would-be um, asylum seeker being held in one of Australia's special islands. But apart from that, I'm sure, and to be honest, I'm sure, I, I imagine that's not what arch-conservative Candace Owens was complaining about. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, we live in an age of exaggerations, Nish. I mean, where, where, where do you put the idea that Australia is a, an oppressed people that needs to be freed by uh, America? But where does that stand for? I'm, I'm unequivocal on this, Andrew. I think that that is the biggest exaggeration in the history of the human race. <laughs> <laughs> this is the age of exaggerations and there's never been a worse time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, Candace Owens is, to be completely fair to her, a f***ing imbecile. And I think, I think, I think that before we engage in any comment on that, we need to just clear that up and say, in her defence, she is an absolute fucking moron. And and also, you know, in terms of American criticism of the Australian COVID response, now, sure, the Australian government has balls up its vaccine procurement, but nonetheless, Australia has had fewer overall COVID deaths over the entire crisis than the USA announced every weekday last week. Um. So, in terms of you know uh, uh, oppression and freedom, it's quite. I don't know how you balance those 
those things. Also, the US's recent record of invading places is, at best, <laughs> patchy, I think it's fair to say. And the logistics of invading Australia are... Yeah, you know, awkward. That's a lot of coastline. A, a lot I of mean, coastline. I mean, if they found bits of the Middle Eastern desert inhospitable, <laughs> they're going to have a real motherfucker of a time when they get to the whole of the middle of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, if, if an Austra- American invasion of Australia goes along the same lines as the American invasions in Afghanistan and Iraq, I think that means we're ten years away from the COVID vaccine being president of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I am kind of warming to the idea, though, of the US uh, invading Australia. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see how Home and Away deals with that. You know, our neighbours. Just uh, very hostile neighbours. <laughs> They'll have to change the theme tune. Uh, you know, because Home and Away has had, like, you know, hurricanes, explosions, and I'd love to see them deal with uh, the American enforcement of democracy of their country. <laughs> Old people news now, and, uh, well, huge ructions in the old community here in the United Kingdom as reigning monarch of the year, Queen Elizabeth II, has refused an award from the Oldie magazine for Oldie of the Year, uh, and she spurned this award by saying, you're only as old as you feel. Um, now, I mean, this is a huge moment, really, in, in our national history. Uh, I mean, people accusing the Queen of being old at the age of only 95, and it's quite clear that she is functionally immortal due to our national anthem. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Nish, I mean, this, I mean, for a start, if she's right, you're only as old as you feel, I can see the government jumping on this and uh, basically cutting pensions. Yeah, to... I, this that's my exact fear, Andy. Yeah. The, the, the government is now going to go, well, the Queen's saying she's not old at 95. Bang goes your winter fuel allowance. Ethel, <laughs> Ethel, <laughs> you 87-year-old spring chicken. <laughs> it is It is slightly concerning. It does suggest the Queen is basically saying, look, 95 is the new 40, okay? <laughs> Maybe it's a re- it's a real outbreak of self awareness from our reigning monarch to go look. Sure, I'm 95, but it doesn't really count because God is protecting me, and also the best available medical care in the United Kingdom is protecting me. <laughs> but it's well, the, mainly God. The the subtext, Alison, is very much see you in Magaluf. Let's go. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the subtext is, see you in Magaluf for Tops Off Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, Club 18 to 98. <laughs> She's got a few more years left. <laughs> <laughs> One's ble- best clubbing years are ahead of one. Yeah. And in fact, in fact, coincidentally, 1898 was uh, the year that Queen Victoria went to Magaluf. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely hammered every night. Yeah. <laughs> Queen Victoria was the one who coined the phrase "no carbs before marbs," right? right. That was the <laughs> that, that was a Queen that was the Queen Victoria original. <laughs> yeah, she rejected the Victoria sponge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's very. It's just a. It seems I. I would be very. Um, 
annoyed being the recipient of the Oldie of the Year Award yeah, in sure. 2021 to know that the Queen has rejected it. So, you know, uh, yeah. I think uh, I've been looking at who has won this year. Uh, Delia Smith has won this year. Really? I, she, for me, is evergreen. I wouldn't yeah. consider her to be yeah. an oldie. You know, um, who, who else is here that's after winning the Oldie of the Year Award? Um, Leslie Karen and uh, Sir Jeff Hurst, right. apparently. Oh, no. um, yeah. Well, so, I mean, so what, what, I mean, uh, other than just still being alive, uh, what what's what are the what are the judges looking for? Uh, it has to listen. I'm editorialising here. This is totally my opinion, and I can't back any of this up. But it feels like these are the awards that they give to old white people who they can trust to be in public and not say something racist. That that's just how it feels. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't remember Prince Philip winning one of these. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm just after having a look at the awards here. Uh, you know who's given out the awards? It's uh, the Duchess of Cornwall. And uh, I feel that the Queen has gone a very elaborate plan to avoid her daughter-in-law <laughs> by rejecting an oldie award. Attempt to avert the end of the world news now, and the COP26 summit is even more imminent than it was last week uh, when we talked to you about it. Um, it begins uh, on Halloween. Um which I'm not sure is a particularly yes, feel appropriate <laughs> date to choose to start the summit. Um, I mean, COP26, uh, I mean, according to John Kerry... It'd be better than April Fool's, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, marginally. Um, according to uh, America's special envoy for the climate, John Kerry, COP26 is the last best hope for the world. Um, I don't think he entirely meant that when he said best. I think he probably meant it's the last uh, remaining not totally shit hope uh, for the world. <laughs> sort of like Churchill's famous quote on democracy when he described democracy as uh, along the lines of the rotting chipolata sausage in the buffet of turds, <laughs> or words to that effect. Um, Nish, how optimistic are you that the world can finally come together and actually... Do anything to to say because it seems like COP twenty six is very much the new catch twenty two, no win situation. And yeah. Yes, it is possible to find long term solutions, but it is really politically inconvenient. So there's no real way out. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Glastonbury of uh, empty rhetoric. It it really is. It's you know this is it, 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 John Kerry has set laid down a gauntlet, and it feels like the rest of the world has looked at that and gone. Oh no, thank you. That gauntlet looks pointy as fuck. <laughs> um, already we're getting stories about internal dissensions, unhappy sponsors, and perhaps most worryingly this week, the news that Saudi Arabia, Australia and Japan are lobbying to play down uh, the need for the reduction of fossil fuels. Now, listen, say what you will about Saudi Arabia and you'll get chopped up and left for dead in a bin. But... <laughs> I laugh too hard. Now I feel in danger. I retract that, that laugh. Yeah. I retract that laugh. Yeah. I, I, the subtext of that is MBS is a delightful man with a wonderful beard. Please, no problems. <laughs> he says the same about you, Nish. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's in bread rolling MBS. That guy might have found his bread rolling arm removed. <laughs> Uh, the, 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 who, who do the Daily Telegraph prefer at the moment? You or uh, I, I think it's probably a dead heat. 
Right. I think if you ask most of the readership of the Daily Telegraph, they sort of see me as a <laughs> Croydon-born Mohammed bin Salman. Well, there, I mean, there's a question on on you know the targets that are going to be be set, and there seems to be a you know some scepticism about you know over overreaching because as the old saying goes, if you shoot for the moon, your cannonball is probably going to land back on your head. Um, so that's generally why you just drop it on the floor. Uh, I, issues set for discussion at uh, COP26 include. Do we actually need walruses? What do they actually do? Uh, ice caps, have we adequately avenged the sinking of the Titanic yet, or do we still need to teach them a lesson? And if the world does end, who won? Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Bugle. Um, Alison, it's been an absolute delight to have you uh, on the show. Where else can uh, our listeners find your work? i got a podcast with Fern Brady called Wheel of Misfortune. I have a podcast on my own called The Alison Spittle Show. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I don't want to be there, but you might as well follow me. Uh, and please tell me to stop. <laughs> stop scrolling and go to sleep. And I'm on, uh, I'm on Instagram as well. And I'm, oh, am I doing any gigs? No. No. What is it this week? <laughs> I'm gonna be doing a I'm gonna be doing a sex based gig in a oh, university. Right. Well it's like it's for their like uh, sexual health night and uh, I'm gonna be doing comedy there. So if you wanna to come to that in U C D, uh only if you're a student, please don't come to a student based <laughs> sexual health comedy night if you're a <laughs> member of the public <laughs> you will be put on a list, I'm afraid. <laughs> but that's about it, yeah. <laughs> uh Nish, what have you got? Uh coming up uh, I, of course the bugle live show on the 13th of bugle live show on the 13th uh and if you live in the uk all of the episodes of the series of late night mash are available on the uk tv app and also i am going on tour uh from february to may next year uh, and i'm going all over the united kingdom um and um there are no plans for international dates as yet due to uh the united kingdom basically being a repository for covid <laughs> um, so we're going to keep we uh, as soon as that changes if it ever indeed does change uh, or they don't just rope us off like a derelict building um, <laughs> we will announce those international dates but yes tickets available at nishkumar.co.uk uh, I will also be on tour in February and March um, tickets available shortly <laughs> on the internet uh, that concludes this week's Bugle uh, we are reverting to Friday recordings for the next uh, few weeks the uh, current series of the news quiz has just ended you can find all them via the uh, BBC uh, website so we'll be off for about 10 days and then back uh, early in November thank you very much for listening uh, you can still vote for the Bugle in the National Comedy Awards for Greatest Thing in the History of Humanity or Best Comedy Podcast. I, I forget uh, which was which. Basically interchangeable. Um, the live show, 13th of November. Tickets available online. Don't forget to listen to The Gargle, where you will hear uh, Alice Fraser and Alison and various other guests. Also, it was the final ever edition of The Last Post uh, last week. Um, so do uh, tune in to well, uh, the daily shows uh, from 2020 and the uh, updates uh, through 2021. There will be more lies about our premium level voluntary subscribers on next week's Bugle before we run out of uh, time and space. Uh, this week to join the Bugle voluntary subscription scheme, go to buglepodcast.com and click the donate button to make a one-off or recurring contribution to keep the show for free, flourishing and independent. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>